And now, coming to you live from our coast-to-coast trading desk, this is the Flagship Pod, a weekly podcast discussed in front of a live Discord audience about the economy, the market forces shaping the world around you, and various just financial things as we go through ultimately what is kind of a wild period in the market. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starnorthrup, folks, bringing you this time, you know, kind of just a, the same sort of, we're bringing you something a little bit different this time, because if we keep talking about the news, we're going to end up talking about the same thing over and over and over again. What we're seeing today in the market is a period of volatility and kind of a moment where the market is holding its breath, trying to figure suss out a lot of the big events, air quotes, big events that are kind of coming down the pipe. First of all, the market is a little bit about Ukraine and whether or not we're actually going to, you know, get some good old fashioned European conflict over here. But in the same breath, the market is also holding its breath in regards to interest rates rising in a way that's, you know, it's really close. March is only two weeks away now. We have no idea when in March it'll happen. We just know that March is kind of our target date. We don't know how much interest rates are going to rise. So there's a lot that the market is trying to stomach right now, but there's a lot of really mixed signals. And so what we think we should be doing here, audience, is talking more about long-term investments, thinking about ways to kind of play through not getting distracted by all this, because otherwise we will just talk week over week over week over week. Ah, what's happening in Ukraine? Ah, what's happening with inflation? We can't predict what's going to happen Um, either way. So we're going to talk more about long-term stuff, less about the sort of like minute-by-minute things. But to do that today, ladies and gentlemen, as always, I am joined by Justin Kramer, CEO, co-founder, chief analyst here at Moby.co. It's his perspective that's kind of guided us through, A, the mayhem of 2020, the kind of interesting growth and volatility of 2021, and now the hardcore volatility of the first half of 2022. Justin Kramer, man, what's good? How you doing, man? You ready to get, uh, get through this today? Yeah, I appreciate the uh, patience, everyone, for meeting 10 minutes late. My apologies. Um, but yeah, just another another week in the markets. I mean, it seems like 2022 had a very interesting start to it. So I'm happy to kind of break down, you know, everything that's going on, try and stay away from the, the usual talks of just inflation, because I think we've killed you to death with it. Um, but yeah, excited to get into it. Exactly, yeah. And it's also just like a really interesting time too, audience, because a lot of the things that what inflation means, you know, has a lot, it has a lot of implications. And a lot of those aren't bearing out. First and foremost, um, one indicator in the economy we like to watch to see what's happening. And one indicator that I really expected to go down and the rest of the market thought so too, was their net comic report called Retail Sales X Autos, which just means how much stuff are Americans buying besides cars here in America. Um, and retail sales, rather than going down, which like, we kind of figured they would considering that um, uh, people's savings are kind of start running out and that all the stimulus stuff from 2020 is kind of behind us. We thought that would go down. Uh, retail sales like Auto is up 3.8%, which is, uh, what is that, 4x the 0.8% uh, expected. So really interesting thing, like inflation is up. People are kind of concerned about it, but Americans are still buying stuff. It's like, it's almost as if buying things is the only thing we have left to do in the exhausted COVID economy. So Justin Kramer, as uh, as you think about that, as we kind of look into like the, the pulse of our economy, beneath the inflation in Ukraine stuff, like why on earth would retail sales still be going up? Like who who is buying all the stuff right now? Yeah, I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a really good point. I'm happy you called it out. Uh, right now, I mean, the trend was, that people were buying less, things are getting more expensive. Um, we we thought kind of middle end of Q1, we may be seeing a peak of inflation. The last numbers that came out did not indicate that. But if people are buying in the quantity they are, and this continues, either two things have to happen. Either the trend is short-lived and it'll reverse because inflation keeps going up and people can't afford it. Or this could be a signal that inflation is starting to peak um, and, and prices are becoming normalized and things 
ultimately will then have to turn. It's a little too early to make a call on that right now, but early indications like say that that's got to be interpreted as a positive. Um, you look at the markets, obviously they're still extremely volatile. They're, they're not settled yet, but if inflation comes back for the next report, either lower than expected or looks like it's peaking, I mean, that means we're, we're trending in the right direction and the Fed still likely has to move um, if that does happen, but maybe not nearly as pronounced, which the markets will then anticipate as a good thing. So long story short, I'm not getting too ahead of ourselves, but the fact that that number is coming in higher than anticipated is definitely a good sign. And audience, that should really demonstrate to you just how much our stock market is driven by sentiment and just how much like all of the news around Ukraine and inflation is spooking the market because all of the like fundamental metrics, like just, you know, supply chain stuff is still kind of goofy. Revenues are kind of weird across the board, but just that, that should demonstrate to you just how much our market is getting spooked because like the actual economic activity here in America is doing pretty solid, but it's just all of these other things where the stock market is being a little bit too cautious, maybe in the face of uh, the potentiality of conflict in Eastern Europe, uh, which is probably not going to happen. I'm not going to get into that. Um, so that, that's one thing to really keep in mind, audience. And so the main thing to look into then is A, buying dips, which we've already talked about a bunch, um, to kind of DCA your way down unless it's certain other things. We'll get into cer certain places you might want and you might not want a dollar cost average right now. But the main thing too is just finding your long-term plays, finding these companies are going to be strong regardless. And that's been the theme of like all of the research we've put out this week. And so Justin, I'm just going to kind of take you through a lot of the analysis we've done on the stock markets here because there's something really interesting to say about crypto right now. Crypto is just following the stock market. Stock market go down, Bitcoin go down, everything else go down. And it's just like this weird little cycle where Bitcoin's not necessarily coupled to the NASDAQ, but they're pretty closely related as sentiment kind of goes hog wild right now. So let's get into some of these long-term picks then. First one you, that like really blew up this week that kind of went un unnoticed here in our Discord was actually you your analysis on Datadog, which is more of like a data services and an analytics company based out of New York. They actually are a neighbor of the company Justin and I used to work at, not at the same time. Weird long story. One day I'll get into it. But Justin, aside from like, you know, the neighbor advantage, um, out of curiosity, like take me through Datadog right now. Like why, why are they kind of a good buy right now? They had a pretty weird little dip at the end of 2021 like everyone else, but they've been pretty strong otherwise. What's the deal with Datadog? Why are they, why are they so valuable right now? And what are you thinking about them long term as a sort of like take over the analytics side of, of um, the SaaS market? Yeah, I mean, Datadog's an interesting play. It's a stock that we've actually recommended. Um, I think it was 2020, so over a year or two ago at this point. Um, but they've just been, been like continuing to prove everyone wrong. Like absolute amazing growth. Um, they've been hiring like crazy, which is actually a cool metric to look at that most people could ignore. Tracking hiring to indicate how much cash flow they have, and it kind of can precede a lot of the numbers that come out. So that's something we've been looking at, and it's actually, like I said, a, a pretty cool statistic. But past that, they're rolling out a product suite that is a lot more comprehensive than most people realize, and they're they're starting to capitalize on it now. They have over 13 products. They look like they're rolling out more, and they're kind of expanding when everyone else is either contracting or like in a period of um, stagnation, which is pretty unbelievable. Um, we referred to it kind of in the the broader post, but like think about back to COVID. Like even though Delta is like a great company in the airlines industry, and Marriott's a great company in the hotel industry. The COVID headwinds were so strong, they didn't matter because it still hurts their business. And I'm not suggesting that like this is the same thing for Datadog in the like the observability world, but they're more or less seeing headwinds as well, and Datadog is just pushing right through them. So 
this is a company that we've liked for a while and you know obviously things can change but for now this really looks like they are one of the true companies who are on the younger side who are who are living up to hype and could end up being pretty massive down the road Precisely. And I think one thing, audience, too, as you think about like what makes a company kind of strong, despite the fact being a tech company in these inflationary moments, is kind of looking for moments like that where a company is very sticky. The, the main sticking point for Datadog or Datadog or everyone to pronounce uh, the D word here, y'all, is stickiness, right? Um, Datadog is awesome because they have 13 total products. So people have they have various different ways you can add revenue, right? And the cool thing about them is, is that most of their company's customers have at least two of those products. So they have they have a lot of like sticking internal stickiness for um their SaaS products and that's the way you win in SaaS, right just building it like you have the efficiency of an engineering team that uh, over time will compound so just build as many products as possible and then just shove a bunch of salespeople in front uh, into that and get them to upsell people as often as much as possible and it gets easier and easier as you move throughout so that's something that makes datadog really strong is this diversified revenue stream because it's not just analytics there's a bunch of different areas in which like their technology is utilized across different industries as well, which is why they have 13 products. But what's really, really interesting is that two products per customer figure, which is really, really strong. Um, getting into some some more news, though, that's also why like Walmart, interestingly, is doing super well. They just had their earnings report yesterday, and they crush. And no, nobody's really talking about why. People just look at Walmart and like, wow, Walmart's defying supply chain, blah, blah, blah. No, Walmart's uh, doing a brilliant, brilliant business strategy that I love. It's called stealing. Um, Walmart has recently built out an advertising uh, platform within Walmart itself, the same way that Amazon does. And that revenue has jumped $2.8 billion in the latest earnings report. So it's really exciting to see just different companies finding different ways to be successful in these very, very sort of like headwindy times. Like, sure, you've got a lot of headwinds for your supply chain if you're Walmart, but that doesn't stop you from getting revenue from other sources, such as this like literally selling ads in your search bar and like using what is ultimately one of the best search, like one of the most widely used search engines in the world, which is the Walmart app and walmart.com. I'm really excited to see companies kind of figure that out and kind of take you know pages out of the playbooks of like the big four so it's really exciting to see walmart steal from amazon walmart's not going to beat amazon anytime soon but they're going to shore up their growth for a while and on a day where this market is down what like three percent walmart is up four to five percent so i'm really excited to see that when you look at companies like that too justin is there anything else you're kind of looking for in terms of a long-term play like what makes walmart strong overall is it just like their dominance or is it more like that they have the most revenue of any company ever or what's the game you play as you kind of think about what a long-term play is right now yeah walmart's interesting like they like it's funny how they make the most money in the country and totally flies over like over everyone's head um they are in an interesting place to your point they're stealing like walmart plus is amazon prime is the same thing um but they're definitely getting on attraction and they're the company that is boring yes obviously um but they they've been growing for decades now and so yes are they going to make you a ton of money like no they, like they're just not going to but they're going to continue growing and so when you look at like the chart over the last five years they're up 100%, which to most people, five years, 100%, that's not exciting. But like when you look at it contextually and you put into like what the rest of the market has done over the last five years, going up 100% is still exceeding like the market average. Um, and then all time, I mean, you zoom out even further, I think it's up over like 40,000%. So like, listen, this isn't going to get you rich overnight, but investing in general shouldn't be getting you rich overnight. You should be looking at stocks that can help you like grow wealth because if you're trying to get rich overnight, you're investing in shit like Dogecoin. And if you're investing in shit like Dogecoin, 
there's a massive chance you're going to lose your entire investment. So if you're looking for risky stuff, yeah, obviously there's upside, but there's extreme downside. And if you want to really make money in the market over the long term and look how the best investors in the world are doing it, they're not putting all their money in Dogecoin, I'll tell you that. And I'm not saying that Walmart is either, um, but it's a good way to diversify yourself and put your, yourself into safe stocks that you know will grow. And those are your two major strategies, right, audience, during this kind of period of volatility and inflation. Like, it's not just the inflation here. It's also just kind of the worries about our increasingly goofy geopolitical state, right? So what you're looking for is companies that, you know, uh, are going to be strong no matter what. Like, Walmart is basically like what the Soviet Union was supposed to be in terms of like an organized supply chain that is not unbreakable, but pretty hard to bust up, right? Like, they will always get things from point A to point C to point D forever. Um, but uh, other stocks, too, is finding little trends that are going to rise regardless of what's happening. That's it. That's, you know, buying the dip, calling bottoms and all that. You can never time the market perfectly, but you can get, you know, reasonably close and get some decent gains. And for me, that had that came this weekend uh, with the Super Bowl. I have to pay homage. Uh, I am here in L.A. While I am a godless Eagles fan, born, born, born and bred in Philadelphia, I have to pay tribute to the home team. Go Rams, Rams house, yada, yada, yada. Sorry to big Joey Burr. But uh, interesting non-winner of the Super Bowl situation was actually the sports betting scene, which had some gains post-Super Bowl, like some pretty decent gains. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, DraftKings managed to go up about a percent during that time period, but now it's down with the rest of the market. So Justin, like when you're looking at that, when you're looking for like kind of a buy the dip scenario, how do you think about sports betting and the health of sports betting overall? I was really confident that you managed to call the bottom of DraftKings like back, you know, more, more like a month ago, back in mid-January. And maybe we're not quite, you know, there yet, but like out of curiosity, as you're looking at what's going on with uh, sports betting companies, DraftKings in particular, how do you imagine them kind of moving forward? Is it just a game of like more states equals more money? Or is it just like you need to have more adoption? Like, how are you thinking about that moving forward? Yeah. And DraftKings is in a very like precarious position right now. They, yes, they're, they're down like at the complete bottom of the down like almost 75% in the last year. Um, but obviously that means like the, their upside capabilities is huge. And so when you look at sports betting in general, it's an insanely big market. In the first week in New York alone, there was over $600 million in bets from January 8th to January 16th. Like, that's, <laughs> think about that, like in the context of the overall market, $600 million in one state in one week. Like, that is insane. Um, and expectations were already high to begin with, and these blew past everyone's expectations. So, I mean, the, the market for sports betting is just going to be so big. And I mean, if you look at the writing on the wall, clearly everyone is going to be legalizing this in some capacity at some point. Um, so will DraftKings be the winner? No, but I don't think any company is going to be the winner. There will be a handful of winners, just how in the finance industry, there's a handful of banks. Goldman Sachs doesn't have complete market share. Neither does JP Morgan, but they're some of the biggest companies in the world. So DraftKings is going to be kind of in a similar position, not to the same extent as JP Morgan, but in the betting world will be a player for years to come. And so once they start capturing more market share, getting more efficient, dying down some of the promos, win customer loyalty, you name it, they're going to have like a massive revenue opportunity going forward. So the opportunity for sports betting is really just so, so large. Um, and so for DraftKings specifically, like relative to the rest of like the addressable market, they're going to win in conjunction with Caesars and in conjunction with FanDuel. Um, and on top of that, they really just have the best technology and promotional efforts out there. Uh, their platform, their tech-led platform first, Caesars is clearly 
more on the entertainment and casino front. Um, but gambling for them is just a beyond profitable business. For every dollar they put into marketing, and if, if you're familiar with the space, the promotions going on right now are absolutely ridiculous. They're making $10 back. So like, if you think about the margins on that, I mean, it's just, it's out of control. And so it becomes a top play for us right now, just like we say all the time, growth stocks are, are getting hit. So it's not necessarily the most favorable time for them to rebound tomorrow, but down 70, 75%, whether it keeps sliding more is impossible to say, but it's a good time to capture it if you're betting on this to, to really grow um, over the long term. This is a like many of our picks, a multi, multi-year pick. Easily. And audience too, if you're trying to figure out the exact, like if you need a little bit more information, which I'm so excited when I get questions here on Discord that I can actually answer with my experience. Like it's so nice not to just always filter them over to Justin. You, I just I just asked a question via DM, somebody asking like, what other, what other signals can you watch to see if like DraftKings is a good buy? And I'm going to take this back to what I've been talking about the whole time, right? Talking about why Datadog is powerful and what makes Walmart really awesome. It's you have to look at recurring customers, right? And so we look at you know the insane margins DraftKings or anybody makes off of their marketing spend the real money is going to come from people doing recurring bets and so when you watch their next earnings call which is gonna be not uh, not anytime soon we're talking uh, their Q their Q1 earnings call which is going to happen in Q2 so April May whenever you want to watch if they mention a metric called recurring uh, like people who come back recurring customers people who do multi like do one bet then come back a couple months later and do another like somebody bets in the Super Bowl and then bets in a couple of of uh, March Madness games and then bets in a couple of baseball games over the summer. If that number goes up at all, that is a really, really strong indicator of the health of the business overall because that's the one place where it gets a little bit finicky in sports gambling, right? Like, it's one of those things where you get a lot of people trying it for the first time. Like, a lot of people bet on Big Joey Burr in, in the Super Bowl and won despite the fact the Bengals lost because the line was 4.5. Don't worry about it. That's very technical. But a lot of people, you know, here in LA bet on the Rams but didn't, you know, win despite the fact the Rams won, right? And those people probably aren't coming back because of that negative experience but if they can convince a bunch of people to become recurring customers that's how you know it's a, a strong healthy model moving forward and whoever like justin said no, there's no there's not gonna be a single winner in this space but the people who convince folks to keep coming back are going to have a much stronger position despite whatever the market thinks in terms of like the, the sell-offs and everything so please keep that in mind audience go for it justin i think you had a point to add yeah i was gonna say i mean like it's it's a really good point to see like that recurring aspect. I mean, there's one thing that we can, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, bet on is that people will gamble. Um, if you think about like the guarantees in life, there's like a quote saying like death and taxes are, are unavoidable. People gambling is one of them too. Like people will always gamble if it's legalized, whether it's legalized or not legalized, they will gamble. So the recurring nature is inevitable. Who is able to capture that recurring nature is a different story. So looking at DraftKings, looking at Caesars, exactly to Peter's point, is how you can see who will get that recurring nature. Because the recurring nature of people, that's not going away. It's just who's going to win it. Precisely. And I guess it's one of those things, too, when you, what you have to think about is that's also how you make like your air quotes bet on this space too and give you a, give you a sense of like more evidence why we think people always be gambling like i grew up in philadelphia every street corner there was a wawa like a sandwich shop slash gas station my wife grew up in western australia every street corner there was like a little gambling kiosk a gambling pub like you would go there even if you're a child order like fries and bet on like 
the Australian football and or the rugby and or the cricket or whatever wacky sports they have. It, it, we are so laughably behind the rest of the world when it comes to sports gambling. Now, maybe that's, you know, for better or for worse, but it's really exciting to see this, like, absolute ascendancy here, considering how big our market is for it. So I'm really excited to see that moving forward. And that kind of gets us into sort of, like, the back half as we think about um, these more long-term plays, y'all, as we watch, like, all of this happening. We need to find those kind of, like, diamonds in the rough, right? So we, we love we love Datadog, which is more of a stronger position. We, we love DraftKings, which is a buy-the-dip situation. And I'm going to get into more, not necessarily speculation, but, you know, companies that have a chance to really explode as they sort of figure out their niche. Uh, first and foremost, Justin, I really loved your research today about toast. Not the breakfast food, but the uh, the point of sale service. Take me more through like their market position right now, dude. Like uh, obviously they're still in growth mode, and growth companies are going to get hammered by an inflationary environment. But like, what's what what about their kind of growth has made you excited about them moving forward? Toast is in. Um, I mean, it sounds funny talking about toast. It sounds like I'm talking about breakfast food. Um, but toast is in a in a really good position here. Um, they. I mean, if you're not familiar with them, like for anyone who's ordered at a restaurant um, and by a restaurant, I mean more like fast casual, like to go places, you may notice that you can like tap to pay and there's often like hardware machines and it's not just in restaurants. They also have it in a lot of clothing stores. Um, if you haven't paid attention, like just start paying attention going forward. It's in a lot more places than you realize. In non-restaurants, the traditional vendor is often square. You see it kind of like is an i looks like an ipad and then you tap your card somewhere um they're expanding like crazy so i won't even you know speak to that but toast specifically is doing it specific to restaurants and it's not just a point of sale system they also have software for the vendors to use they like tackle problems that are specific to restaurants and not just general vendors and so that's also a, a giant theme for us kind of not only in 2022 but just forever Special, so like specialization of software for certain verticals. So for example, like Salesforce is a massive CRM system for every vertical, but there are specific companies that are tackling CRMs for, you know, for mergers and acquisitions, for you name it. And so companies that can specialize and help customers truly understand the root core of their problem are going to be very differentiated. So Toast is one of them from a product offering standpoint is doing really well. From the actual business sense of Toast, they're also in an interesting position because they've gone public, they're big, they're established, but they're in such a good position to continue growing. They only really touch the U.S., so obviously internationally, there's so much room for growth. And then on top of that, they're rolling out more products. And so if you think about it, Nike and you know big retailers out there, yes, they want to go find new clients, but they want to repeat sales to existing clients. So that's like the name of the game for a lot of companies. And so for Toast, they have and will continue to roll out new products. And so they can start making more money off existing people. It's, it's a much easier business model with a much lower cost of acquisition. And so they're actively pursuing that now. Um, and so that's why we've seen a lot of kind of the negative headlines around them during their most recent earnings call. They're investing so much money back into their products, back into their vendors, back into expansion that it's hurting their margins. And like, you know, obviously that's to be expected. Um, so I think for us, we see that we realize why people are scared, um, but we're looking past it. Cause again, like everything we're long-term investors and know that this, there's a really good chance they can, you know, make the right investments and end up making the right choices here. The only thing that we do need to be aware of is the lockup period. So when you go public, 
early employees who have substantial equity or investors who have substantial equity are often subject to lockup period. Won't bore you the details, but effectively, you can't sell your stock for a certain amount of time. Um, so with Toast, they had a period where the lockup period wasn't fully over, but it's partially over. And the market got flooded with a ton of Toast stock, which is not a good thing when supply just drastically increases. This week, um, the same thing's happening. And so there should be massive amounts of Toast stock. We've seen crazy dips over the last two days, largely attributed to that. So these are, again, short-term headwinds. I think the right investors who believe in the stock will end up snatching it uh, for cheap and holding on to it for the long term. Um, but this like changing of the guard is hurting it. So there's a lot of negative short-term headwinds affecting Toast. But again, just similar to like DraftKings and a lot of the plays that are down big, if we like the company believe they're you know doing the right things from a business standpoint, these are kind of good opportunities to get in, even if it continues sliding further. Exactly. And I think that's that's the main thing you have to keep in mind. Like, don't ever try to time the market, y'all. Like, it is simply just dip season. That's that's where we are right now. You're never trying to leverage yourself with short-term games. You're never trying to, um, uh, you know, make money right now. Like, you are... You are you should be at a point in your finances where you are just kind of taking, you know, your your spare money and putting it away in these stocks and like shoring up your portfolio so that ten years down the line you've you know managed to increase that like uh, you know roughly fifteen to thirty percent more than it would have otherwise in just like a straight up four hundred one k and just straight up buying ETFs, right? And so that's what you that's the perspective you have to have. You have to be dispassionate, especially right now. The market is you're just watching all the short-term interest kind of bail right now and just kind of go into securities or go basically elsewhere as some people's jobs are like making money month over month over month playing this game, right? Like you need to play this game over the course of 10 years. And if you do that and just keep it consistent, you will absolutely win. And that's the perspective we're trying to engender here. I say that literally every single podcast, no one's told me to stop. So I'm going to keep reiterating it. This is all about giving you the confidence to keep investing no matter how goofy the market gets, right? It's should always be a small consistent investment month over month over month you, you're picking picks if you want to like have that interest do that little additional research but finding those moments that really work out to make sure that you're building the portfolio that best reflects like your values and also like what you want out of life right and so i'm very excited to keep engendering that long-term perspective here with you regardless audience we did get started 10 minutes late so we're only we're basically right here at the very end if you have any questions for us any other things that you want us to like watch feel free to hit us up here on discord i'm moby star here you can literally just dm me whenever if you hit, hit us up in general chat as well otherwise you um feel free to email us hello at moby.co always works out as well if you're listening to us more on the other side here but justin kramer uh, ceo co-founder chief analyst here at moby.co any final thoughts from you anything else we should be looking at did i miss anything in terms of like how we should be examining the week is it weird that i completely dodged ukraine inflation and crypto this time and finally just talked about like investing fundamentals how do you feel about this man <laughs> no i mean it's fair like i mean for newer Newer people, I'm sure they want to hear it, but for repeat people, I'm sure it sounds like every week's the same at this point. So definitely have made it a stated goal to kind of switch it up this week. For newer people, though, or even repeat people, I, I think we can just end it a little bit by touching on those subjects very briefly. Um, Ukraine, Russia stuff. I mean, listen, what Vladimir Putin's going to do, how the hell are we supposed to know? You know, like, I know the front page of CNBC and all these people are on Twitter are saying they know what's going to happen. Like unless they have some sort of like inside connection with the Russian government, <laughs> I think a lot of them are just totally full of it. Um, I guarantee you, lots of people. I guarantee you, a bunch of people in the Russian government don't even know either. Like it's like if it's going to happen, it's going to be like a very small decision. So probably. Yeah. Not. I mean, the, 
the only thing I can guarantee is the memes are just going to be hilarious. Um, so at least we can we can fall back to that. But I mean, in all seriousness, like for us, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But like, who the hell knows? If it does, obviously it'll be terrible for the market. Um, but at the same time, some stocks will benefit. And like, I hate to look at it from that perspective because there'll be some terrible implications. Um, but defense contractors, as soon as it was announced last week, shot up. So you think about Lockheed Martin, you think about a lot of these like military defense names, like they will stand to benefit. Um, so you have to wear, wear multiple hats here, your investor cap and just your overall humanity cap. Um, but that's something we're actively monitoring. And so if you want to play that defense names, more inflation names, because with war, more inflation will come. Those are stocks that would do well. Um, obviously, outside investing, I, I pray it doesn't happen, but you need to get ahead of on this stuff. And then on the crypto front, it's been it's been interesting. So there's a lot of coins. We write about them almost weekly at this point for our premium members and in our Discord channel, um, try to talk about them as much as we can. There's a lot of coins we really like, show a lot of promise, but until sentiment picks back up and things start to change, um, we're going to kind of be in this lull. Having said that, crypto is so fluid. It changes every single day. Like three months ago, or if not more, the market was flying and everyone's like, oh, it's never going down again. Fast forward today, and it's down over 50%. So things are so subject to change there. It's so fluid. The only thing you can do is find coins, projects you fundamentally believe in, and just continue to average into them. And so if you like Bitcoin at 70, you should love it at 35. Um, you, you, the thesis is still intact, and you're getting it for a 50% discount. So just continue to have conviction in the names you have conviction in, and we'll continue publishing on coins and projects that we have conviction in. Um, and we're just going to continue taking from there. Just We say it every week, but just stop looking at your portfolio. It's going to drive you crazy. If there are names in there you love and are monitoring, great. Um, and if not, then sell them. But if you believe in them, the price should not like be reflective of anything. So I leave you with that. Um, I hope it's helpful. It definitely is. And I think the ultimate mental shift you can do, folks, is don't ever say how much money you have invested. Just say how much you have. I have X number of Apple shares. I have a 0.5 X number of Bitcoins. I have, you know, 33 Solanas or whatever. That's what you actually have. The value changes over time. But a lot of people on the day trading side of things will always have you focused on like the amount of money you have tied up here. Don't think of it that way because 10 years from now, it's completely, completely different. So just think yep. about like you have have X number of token or X number of stock, not I have yeah. blah, 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 dollars and blah, 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 blah. No, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's tough because it gets marked. The thing, this is the term for those of you unfamiliar, it's called mark to market. So in the real estate world, like if you're owning homes, you don't think about the daily value of the home. You're not thinking, oh, this home's worth 1 million. It's worth 1.1. Now it's worth 0.9. It's a liquid. It's not getting priced every single day. So you don't know. In the real estate world, you're more focused on income. And so you don't have to worry about that. In the crypto world, in the stock world, where things are very liquid, you have to worry about it. But you have to kind of take like that illiquid mindset for some of these and be like, I'm not selling these, just how I'm not going to be selling and liquidating homes every single day. Um, just because it's getting marked to market every day doesn't mean it's reflective of how I feel about it. So you just kind of have to put the emotions aside, which honestly is one of the toughest parts of investing.
It's tough, but yeah, over time you do get used to it. You do get that perspective back, and it, it, it honestly doesn't make the lows, you know, and it doesn't. It helps make the lows not as low, but it also helps make the highs even higher, right? So keep that in mind, audience. Maintain your course. Keep that long-term perspective, and you will blow past this period with ease. Audience, I've really appreciated your time today. Justin Kramer, CEO, Chief Analyst here at Mobi.co. I've appreciated your perspective. Audience, if you want more from us, you can always hit us up here on Discord. You can also find us over at Mobi.co. You know, if you want to learn more about our research, hit us up over at YouTube slash C slash Mobi Invest if you want to get more of our in-depth picks as we sort of think about the market in a broader sense. And if you want more of our dumb stuff, we're also on TikTok. Check us out there. Regardless, audience, I'm really excited to have your perspective here today. Thank you so much for your time. Just so you know, this podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Star Northrop. All of the awesome advice you heard today came from Justin Kramer, our CEO and chief analyst. Um, moreover, ladies and gentlemen, you can always find us in various social media channels. But for now, audience, as always, I leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.